Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pharmalosophy, the podcast featuring Tom Newton of Renaissance Leadership. My name is Steve McCall, and I'm your host. And uh, before we get started, Tom, I think it would only be appropriate that I give out the new Pharmalosophy website. Do you think that's a good idea? Probably it would be a, a great help, yes. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they'll find us again. All right, so here's the website. If you'd like to know more about us, it's www.pharmalosophy.com, and I will spell that for those of you um, who have a pen and paper ready. It's pharma, P-H-A-R-M-A, philosophy, L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com, pharmalosophy.com. All right. Uh, Tom, I'd like to do a little intro for those, and I'm quickly moving along, Tom, because I'm sensitive to everybody's time and, and how much time they have, and I don't know how they're listening to this, if it's in a car or they're jogging and they're putting it on their iPhone or whatnot. Tom, are you an iPhone owner? Actually, I don't have one. No. Not you're a Blackberry every now and then get knocked off the world kind of thing, eh? Something like that, yes, exactly. <laughs> But anyway, Tom and I have known each other for over 11 years, and um, it's really through the work that he's done. I've seen him do work in many capacities um, with pharmaceutical companies, and I've been live and in person. Um, he has spent uh, many years um, actually working in the pharmaceutical industry, and of course, he has spent um, almost 15, over a little over 15 years with Renaissance Leadership. And I guess, Tom, what percent of the work that you've done in Renaissance leadership over the past 15 years, the most recent work, what percent of that work is with pharmaceutical-related um, organizations? It's probably close to 65 or 70 percent. Wow. Steve, uh, it's triggered largely by the amount of change, uh, both organizationally and leadership-wise, that take place in that industry. And folks are kind enough after they've experience the Renaissance Leadership Initiative to keep coming back and asking us to re-help them as new issues emerge. Well, it, it's been a real pleasure. Um, and Tom and I are friends, and it's, it's always a pleasure to spend time with them. But let's get right into it of what today's um, topic is. And I, I just love this, this title, Managing Pharma Stakeholders, the Science, and I like that term, Science of Herding Cats. So, so tell me, Doctor, science guy, <laughs> not that you're a doctor, but tell me, Mr. Science Guy, what, what is this all about? What is this overview of herding cats or the science of herding cats all about? Well, the more I've worked with pharmaceutical organizations, the more I realize that our conversations spend a lot of time on how do I effectively work with the various stakeholders that I have, whether I'm in a matrix organization, uh, whether I'm in a line organization. Uh, folks have people that are very important to the success of their projects, and sometimes it really feels like you're herding cats. Well, okay, I mean, I, I get it, but why? Why does it, you have that feeling? I mean, t I mean, what? What is that? What? What are we? What are we experiencing when you've been out there before? What have folks in the industry told you about why? Why they feel that way? Well, I think the the challenge is that we are typically given a a project mandate or a remit and asked to do a certain thing, uh, uh, complete a certain project over a period of weeks, in many cases months, and sometimes that remit that 
project focus is not really as clear as it needs to be. Sometimes we hear about the outcome goals expected by a line manager. Other times it's done by a, a project champion and we don't always understand the various other players that are going to play a role and impact whether that recommendation or decision is implemented. Yeah. So, and again, I know we're, we're having some fun with this, but really the frustration that exists, if I'm hearing you correctly, is, is that, you know, you're trying to, you've got all sorts of people with all sorts of issues and wins and things like that that you've got to kind of bring together to get your project that you've been you know, um, uh, you've been given the, the, the thing to do to get that, that taken care of, and it's hard to pull all that together. It really is. In fact, when I have uh, the most interesting conversations are those where we ask, who are some of the stakeholders? And if you create that list, it runs anywhere from the final decision makers, uh, people who must ratify or who can veto the decision, yep. people you have to consult, people who will be affected, those who have to implement it, and some people just need to be informed. And when you look at that list, occasionally folks in pharmaceutical organizations say, Tom, you just basically told me almost everybody within the pharmaceutical or within the R&D uh, group uh, that's overwhelming. My hair now hurts. And what I've suggested to them and help them work through is the creation of a stakeholder analysis worksheet I'd, I'd love to tell you a little bit about. So the key stakeholders could be many, and the way to get this defined for you is to get it on a piece of paper or in a worksheet of some sort. Yeah, and the reason I suggest this strongly is a lot of times if we only listen to the mandate or the remit that was given to us by our line manager or champion and then spend weeks or months working on the project, never going back to the other people I just identified, we step into a room, or your team does, and you find out that the direction has changed, that there are other people who have needs, other people who will be impacted by the suggestions, and if we don't touch base with those folks along the way, it can lead to a wasted effort, a great deal of frustration, and either a turning down of a great recommendation or a series of steps that require a redo, which can be awfully frustrating. Yeah. So tell me more about this key stakeholder analysis. What does it look like? Well, if, if you would imagine a, a sheet of paper, if you got together, the best time, by the way, to do this, if you have the luxury, is at the very beginning of a, uh, a project uh, that you have with the teams that you're on. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that luxury or if you're listening to this podcast and you've already got a project started and you're well along the way and, and haven't done it, it is a great thing to do about midway to say, do we really have an understanding of the impact of this project or our potential recommendation with other areas of the organization? So in a nutshell, it basically is asking a leader or of that team to work with that team in the creation of a page that's four columns. In the four, four columns. So I got a piece of paper and I have four columns. And what's across the top of the header of these four columns? Headings typically on uh, the first column would be who are the key stakeholders? 
Second heading would be the importance of each of these stakeholders. The third would be what's the current level of support as we understand it of each of these stakeholders. And then what are the issues or wins that these stakeholders have to have in order for them to, to have a, a sense of ownership or accountability with regards to the project? Okay, so let's go through this then. Uh, we've got key stakeholders. How do you define these people? How do you define who you put on this key stakeholder list? Well, if you recall from the list I, I gave you earlier, it almost sounds like anyone, but a good way to go through this would be for the team leader and then each of the team members to be asked, is you consider who needs to know about the project we're on who are some of these people? For the team members, they might be their line managers. They might be the people who have to implement it. They might be the, the people who are going to ask questions. Uh, for the team leader, a key stakeholder is certainly going to be the project champion. And sometimes a key stakeholder that is often forgotten is the person who's going to be sitting next to that champion when the presentation is made with regards to the recommendation. The um, confidant or coach, you might say. Yeah, the, the person that the champion tends to listen to, especially in many organizations, there's people who ask great questions that we normally don't think of as playing a role, but their questions, while sometimes challenging and aggravating within the process, are great questions that sometimes change the direction or certainly impact the flow of where that project goes. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. And, and, you know, so often, Nick, you said, if you have forgotten or you didn't take the person into consideration, next thing you know, you're going, oh, no, what, you know, how did this happen to me? Why, why am I in this place? Yes, especially okay. if those questions are asked at the time of your presentation and the champion looks at you and your team and said, did you consider that? That's a great question. Yeah. And you have to honestly look back and go, no, I didn't think of that. Yeah, you would much rather have that person ask you that question prior to the presentation. Exactly. Yes. So, okay, we've got the key stakeholders. We're kind of people, we're probably formulating those people now in my mind. Okay, I want that person on and put this person and go to my, my team members, ask them, you know, who do we think should be on there and be careful of that. Isn't there some filtering there too? I think there will be, and it probably is a learning process in terms of how many people you want on that. I would think that if each of both the leader and each team member had three to five, I think any more than five and you're probably overdoing it. Okay. Um, that second column helps you skinny down that list. Well, let's talk about that. That's the level of importance. Yeah, and I like to put it into three categories. Are they critical, very important, or somewhat important? And then depending upon the, the, how big that list is in the first column, minimally, I would think that and, and these definitions are change based upon the nature of the project. But certainly you want to have three to five of the folks that are critical who can help you ratify, may in, be involved in re vetoing this decision, have to be consulted because their experience is, is important. You can create in that second column any way to 
it basically what you're doing is prioritizing the stakeholders by your definition. I love this because this gives you an element. So when somebody comes, you know, into your office, you bump, they bump into you and they go, we have really got to talk to so-and-so because blah, blah, blah. You can go, that may be the case, but I don't know if that person is, is going to be that important to the uh, outcome of this project. Well, you raise an interesting point. Uh, I would hope that the folks listening to this, if they choose to use this approach, don't consider this something that's done at the front end or even in the middle and leave it as a static. It is a really something that needs to be looked at regularly because uh, organizations change. New relationships are developed with either biotech firms, with other pharmaceutical companies, and then out of the blue, new stakeholders appear. Yeah, well, and, and I love that. And we, we were going to talk about that later on, but you're right. I mean, you know, things are very dynamic in today's world. You know, um, you know, there's announcements all the time where companies are splitting up and someone, you know, announced that today where they're splitting up their pharmaceutical from their other divisions and they're merging them together and they're doing this and they're doing that. And all of that has an influence on projects that are going on and how a key stakeholder will and what their level of importance becomes. I think among the... Uh things that then becomes really important to focus on is a regular ongoing look at a third column, which is what's the current level of support of each of those folks? And I kind of like to break it down to if they were to be woken out of a sound sleep and were made aware of your initial thinking, would they be opposed to it? Would they be neutral? Would they be excited and favorable? That's the third one. Or with they just don't know. And with a quick indication and some due diligence on your part, uh, you can not only use this information to help you determine how often and when each of these stakeholders needs to be consulted or talked to during what might be a, a process that lasts weeks or months. Yeah, yeah, I... I, again, this is one of those great ones because you've identified your key stakeholders, you've understood now what their level of importance to the outcome of your project is, and now you're really kind of saying, all right, where do these people stand? Is this something that they want to get their project in, in line faster? They want to move it along? Are they just, ah, you know, I, I don't know anything about your project, don't really care, or are they, you know... Um, are they all for it, you know, and they think that this is something that needs to be done and, and they can help you champion it with other key stakeholders? Well, the, the thing that's also important as you consider what you've just said is the fourth column because you need to know why they're opposed or why they're excited about it, they, why they're not sure. And a lot of times the best way to ask is regards this product, project, what would be a win for your group? If you're talking to a line manager, somebody who might implement it, if you're talking to someone who might have to lend you some resources from another department, what are their needs? How resource-strapped are they uh, in relation to other priorities? And how often I need to check in? Those same people, many of them are going to show up and be a part of perhaps a final presentation um, that suggests where we stand with this project. Does it go forward? Do we kill it? 
do we move it ahead within our pipeline? And so really understanding the issues, what's important to those stakeholders, and how do we help them create a win-win situation? Well, how do we define it? So, so again, if I'm understanding this correctly, I'm going to do some review and make sure that we understand it. You're making a key stakeholder analysis. And what are the four columns? Four columns are really, what are the stakeholders? Do I understand and does my team understand the level of importance for each of those? How often and when do I consider the current level of support, recognizing that that could change? And within the context of that, uh, what are their issues? What are their concerns? What are they excited about? And what would help them prompt them to be continue to be excited about where our project is going so that as it lines up against the other many priorities that a pharmaceutical organization is considering, we know where it fits within the pipeline. Don't you also in that last column want to talk about how they win with your project being completed? Yeah, it really isn't about your win. You're not doing a sell or in terms of what you want to get out of that. You really have to understand, and that sometimes is the the hardest part. Sometimes, uh, give me. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, it is not unusual for some stakeholders to perhaps not really know how they feel about a project because they're also weighing the pros and cons of a um, a new relationship, perhaps with another pharmaceutical company that is offering uh, a product or a, um, a new drug discovery that they're making available, and yet they're not in a position to share that information with all of the various teams. So you have to understand that sometimes an unknown or the vagueness that a stakeholder might bring to the table is a function of new information that they're continuing to get, not a desire to be uh, waffling on where they stand. Yeah, and, and I love that point. You know, we had talked about that earlier where, you know, someone basically they know something that they literally can't share with you, but they also may, they may, their level of support may have changed from positive to neutral because they too don't know what it is. And I guess that's where it comes back to how to use this key stakeholder analysis. You said use it in the beginning, right? If you can. And then also, if there's a change going on with your company or your organization or your division or something that's happening, that's probably a good time to pull this key stakeholder analysis out and go, okay, right? Well, there's there's several opportunities to use this. One would be in the beginning so everybody understands who they're going to be talking to and how they're going to about, go about collecting the information to keep this up to date. But it also allows you on perhaps the bi-monthly or monthly phone conversations that many people in pharmaceutical organizations have to ensure that we can. Uh, Because let's say Steve was asked to handle two stakeholders, I can say either in a group meeting or in the one-on-one conversations I have with follow-up with you. Steve, talk to me about were you able to see so-and-so, and and do they still feel the same way? Are you getting any new signals and signs? And those discussions allow me to help my team members decide what we do next and to remain confident that we are zeroing in or continuing to focus on um, the best of where we should spend our time. 
So this key stakeholder analysis is not something to be kept private. This is something you share with your team. Yeah, and it's also probably something that periodically when you uh, are working with the person who is championing the project or who has given you the remit, it's a great uh, summary document to say, you've asked us to go northwest and color it green. Everyone else in this organization is pushing back. They're struggling with Northwest. Do you understand the support or should I continue to, to push this? Or how hard do I push this in order to keep it on the, the radar screen in relation to other priorities? So at all levels, both the above, below, and beside you should kind of understand that this is, uh, we want to keep everybody, all the stakeholders aware and, and on board. Yeah, and it's, it, it is something that not a lot of the matrix leaders that I've talked to or the project leaders um, have chosen to do because it is initially relatively time consuming, but it, it tends to save time on the back end of the project when you get close to making the recommendation or pulling the trigger on one of several alternatives you have and reduces the amount of time and that you can get into when someone says, oh, as a result of those last three questions, I'm going to ask you, Steve, to go back and spend another week, couple weeks doing this, or God forbid, I think I'm going to need you to start over again. Yeah, yeah. All right, Tom, so in review, what I'm hearing you say is, is that if in order to be able to manage the pharma stakeholders and to become a accomplished scientist in herding cats, we want to make sure that we do a key stakeholder analysis, and the key stakeholder analysis has four parts to it. Key stakeholders, level of importance, level of support, and those issues and wins of those key stakeholders. Is there anything else that you'd want to add to this so that people can have help and take an action today to get things going for them? I I think the last point would be um, sometimes I get some pushback. Tom, do you realize how hard some of those stakeholders are uh, to get in touch with? And I in, have encouraged people to be as creative as they can because many of those folks have gatekeepers that make it hard to have a, a regular meeting. And one of the more creative suggestions I got from a pharmaceutical colleague was uh, knowing that a key stakeholder was a very early uh, into the office, into the cafeteria, somewhere between 7 and 7.15, yep. uh, as regular as clockwork. And while I, uh, best place to get them, there's no gatekeepers around. And over the pouring of the coffee or the adding of the sweetener, you can say, I need three minutes of your time. What are you learning? Here's where we are. Are you still comfortable with the direction or do we need to sit down how can I help you better understand where we are with this project so you know where to position your support? Well, Tom, and, and you've, you've, you have tapped into a whole new subject that we will, uh, I take it, uh, have another conversation on how to uh, have meaningful conversations with those key stakeholders that are very difficult and hide behind their gatekeepers. How about if we do that in a future uh, podcast? I'd like to do that. And as we close, I would encourage anybody uh, who has any questions about what's being shared is within the Pharmalosophy 
www.thepetsmedicinesoup.com website, there's a place that identifies how to get a hold of me. I'd welcome the opportunity to share a little bit more information of how to uh, tailor that and uh, make it work for anybody who's choosing to listen. Yeah, that'd be great. And Tom is very generous with his time. Again, thank you, Tom, for your time today. Thanks, Steve. And uh, I would encourage everybody to, um, if you have the time, to check out pharmalosophy.com. That is www.pharma, P-H-A-R-M-A, philosophy, L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. Thanks again, Tom, and we'll talk to everybody real soon. I look forward to it.